0: Very simple. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just
1: self purpose. something. Do We're turning up the volume once again on racial inequality with the EQ. I'm here with The Fellowship. I'm here with Rachel Rose, JL, and the lovely Ashley. How you guys doing? Hey, hey. Yep. And we're talking about housing. Is that a thing? Is, Is there such a thing as white neighborhoods and black neighborhoods and how did that how did that happen if it's a thing and the reality is family it's a thing we need to learn to live with one another and then maybe we'll be able to live close to one another so is it random is it random where people live or you know the the homes that they have isn't that sort of like you know like natural selection, like, oh, it's just kind of a random set of things that have happened to, you know, create suburbs and create inner cities and, you know, how did that all kind of come to pass?
2: I think we're just taught to expect that it's like natural selection and that there was never anything that spurred it on. Um, But if you look at history, there's a very long long history of um, minority groups being denied access to fair housing and being denied access to loans, being even just the, and this is a big thing with a lot of different areas, whether it's education, housing, jobs, whatever, they aren't taught to believe that they can get it because all these other things are in their way. So. I did, like, a little research, and it's 13% of black home shoppers were denied loans. And that's today. That's 13%. That's such a huge percentage of people. (laughs) Like, if you're going to buy a home and you're not even going to be given the resources to get one, it's so hard to even try. You know? So I think there's this... Like, American dream that you come to America, you work hard, you get a job, you make enough money, you get a house, and then everything's, like, hunky-dory, whatever. But that's not the case for most Americans, and especially minority groups who aren't given the resources to begin with.
1: Hmm. So, you mean to tell me that on the heels of desegregating buses, right? Now, I can sit anywhere on a bus, and I can sit at a lunch counter anywhere, and I can go to essentially any school I want to, There, there's still this notion that I can't live where I want to live?
2: Shockingly, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's 44%. Of Black Americans own a home, own like a house that is theirs. They don't rent it or anything. They own the home, and that's thirty percent lower than White Americans. That's an outstanding percentage, um, and nobody hears about that. Like I don't know about you guys, but I never really talked about housing with my friends or like in high school or even with my parents. Like I knew that when like my grandfather was looking for houses way back in the sixties, like the realtor wouldn't show him houses in certain towns because he was a minority um even though he was like pushing and pushing he was like i want a house in this one city has a good school district it's nice and i can afford it i want this town predominantly white town and the realtor would not show him houses there she refused she was showing him houses like in the surrounding areas that were like Nice, but not as nice, or whatever. And he would be like, "No, I want a house here." And I think she said something to the effect of, "Like, oh, you don't really want a house there."
1: Being able to afford a home is the reason why only forty-four percent of African Americans own homes today. But as this nation was being constructed with regards to its neighborhoods, you'll find that a house in the suburbs was were being were houses were being sold at higher price points to black families than to white families to dissuade them from moving there. And so what happened was when they in fact bought the home at a higher price, real estate values went up in the neighborhood until more and more black families did that, then they began to move black families into segregated suburban neighborhoods and allow white people to move out, and then <laughs> to your point of wealth gap, then <laughs> the real estate index or the the average value of homes dropped in a neighborhood. So when black people moved into sub- suburbs, not in droves, but just began to move in, that raised the property value. But when there was more than one or two or three or four, then it lowered it. It's almost even
3: just because it's in their possession, it's worse, you know, or because the black man touched it or a black man lived here, it's worse. I think housing kind of brings on that like transactional aspect. I don't know if you feel that way, Ashley or Rachel, if you guys have, is there comments on that or like, does that seem like there's like some aspect of that?
2: Yeah, so I was actually just thinking, when I was, I think in or High School, there was um, low-income housing that was built in Barrington, and it was in, like, a nicer neighborhood. It wasn't, like, a super-rich neighborhood, but the people who had lived there had lived there for a really long time. And I remember um, they fought the town on this forever. It was this big thing, because they were like, we don't want low-income housing coming in, and there was this, like, unsaid, like... We don't want minorities coming in. And I just remember I I was young, so I, I was asking, I was like, why would that change their life if someone else moved in? Why would that be, like, detrimental to them if they just got new neighbors? Like, people move in and out all the time. I don't understand why this is weird. And he was like, well, they are equating them with something less than them. They're equating them with crime. They're equating them with, like... Um, like, sloppiness, like, just they don't think that they will be good neighbors and that they won't actually enhance their neighborhood when they very well could. Um, It was this, like, you bring them in, and they make everything less than.
0: I can understand that theory. Like, I can see why they, like, why that's the interpretation, because when you don't have a clue about what you're talking about, you just assume... Like we've said before, like, the way that you do things is the right way, and if somebody looks different than you, they're going to do it different than you, so it's got to be wrong. And it reminds me of that movie. What's the movie that Clint Eastwood, the Get Off My Lawn movie? Oh, he's an old guy in Detroit, and he gets mad when Asian people come into his neighborhood. Gran Torino. It's like that, right? Like So it was, okay, he was there from the beginning of the neighborhood, and... People lived in their houses until they died, basically, and then they got bought by people that were of a minority, and he was infuriated by it because he was an old white racist, and he didn't realize he was an old white racist until he was pissed off and it was in his face. Ooh, am I allowed to say pissed off? I just did. He was ticked off. He was ticked off until it was in his face. (laughs) Uh, It's just another thing for white Christians to get upset about, a white person... That says they're a Christian. They said a swear. You need to repent, Ashley. That's the least of the swears that comes out of this mouth. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it does make me wonder, like, okay, because my grandparents built their house that they lived in until my grandmother died. And I mostly grew up in that house. And it was a white neighborhood. That was not too far from a black neighborhood. So here we go to like Jim Crow laws that end up perpetuating history. And then I think about myself, like I've never owned a home. And when I went to get a homeowner's loan, the only kind of a house, the only price point of a house that I would be able to afford would be in a lower income neighborhood. Is that just because we live in a society that in order to live in a nice neighborhood, you have to have two incomes? Because I'm a single person income, so... I don't know if that plays into things too.
1: It absolutely does, but there's a history to that, right? Because originally houses were priced for a single income, not double income, but over time, those homes that were built appreciated and affected the housing market and new construction certainly competed with the prevailing comps in the area. And so as property values increased, well, then new construction values could also increase. But at the origin of that white neighborhood, it was, it was constructed around a single income that could be afforded by both white and black families. And so here's the disparity that you spoke about earlier. And so if black people were not allowed to move into that neighborhood and those home values appreciated, well, then that's money in the bank for white people. As soon as you sell your home or you could take out loans on equity as, as things begin to change. But if the black people were redirected to a different neighborhood, a lower income neighborhood, then those properties didn't appreciate at the same rate. And so when you sold your home, you probably got, you know, an extra five or six cents on the dollar, as opposed to getting $20 on a dollar when you sold in a white neighborhood. And so thereby increasing the wealth gap. Mm-hmm. But it, it kind of still comes down to, because you can go through and you can find out the laws that were written. Great book on a subject matter. Uh, listeners, if uh, if you want to pick it up sometime, The Color of Law, uh, it's subtitled The Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America. It's a fascinating read.
0: Who's the author on that?
1: The author is...
0: Oh, I didn't know if you knew it offhand.
1: Ri- I do Richard Rothstein. Okay, doesn't sound black, so should be good. <laughs> I'm just joking.
0: <laughs> wow, you can't say that. I did, so you can't. I'm sorry. All right,
1: my <laughs> Richard Rothstein. Um, yeah, he could be. He could be like Sammy Davis. Who knows, right? <laughs> I don't know. I got, it's, a, it's a hard topic. You got to lighten it up anyway.
0: It's true. Know, right? It's I good. mean, it,
1: it, it is. It just really is. And so at the end of the day, it kind of comes back to what Rachel Rose was talking about. Do you mind living next to a person of color? And what comes along with that consent or dissent? It kind of goes back to the ideology of differences. And, you know, mm-hmm. will you... Will property values go down or will they go up um, based on uh, a set of rules that may not even be in play? And so for listeners, I'm going to tell you something. If uh, if Full transparency. So uh, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, My parents actually did own own our, our home that we lived in until we moved to Florida, which we then owned our home. And so I come from a history of homeowners. However, just on the other side of, well, actually for a period of time, they lived above the above us. My cousins came from a legacy of renting. And renters in general do not have the appreciation of home ownership um, and the things that it takes to maintain a home. And so... There is this this conception that hey, if you and, and okay, so kind of going back to what Rachel Rose talked about, is forty four percent of African Americans who own homes, and so the other fifty six percent are renters and have a particular ideology in terms of or philosophy in terms of you know how they take care of the the property that they're in, which is not at the same level um, by and large. But I mean that could be a misnomer, but. For the conversation, it's not at the same level. And so you could come into this preconceived notion that, hey, renters are moving into a home and they're not going to take care of it the same way. So here's the secret. If a black family has saved up enough money to buy a house and it's their first house, you just got the best neighbor on the block. Because... (laughs) Forty four percent is a pretty low number. And so the amount of families that it takes to ratchet up to get to forty five percent is a large number. And those people, those new homeowners, they're going to take care of the home, their home better than you, because it's monumental. People coming into a first time home situation, whether it's 2020, you know, or 1985 you just got the best neighbor that you could ever get but because of your attachment to social mores you have already discounted that person and the government through its laws and how it's been written actually prevents people from moving into your neighborhood to bring your property value down that's why housing is a thing
2: it is like very stereotypical in how if you don't understand how someone lives it's very easy to judge why they're doing something like i know like in terms of like renting indians aren't always approved for rental houses because people think that the spices like we use to cook that it's going to make the house smell forever which honestly not completely untrue but (laughs) there's like a joke that if you get turmeric on the counter like you don't try to remove it you just move because it's like it's done you're done um (laughs) It's terrible, but but it's true. And I was even like, my house. Like we live in a very white neighborhood. We are the first people. We live in Bristol, so we're very patriotic. We are the first people on our street to have our flag out. Like when I think Memorial Day, yeah, come Memorial Day, we have it out, and it's up until Labor Day, because we do not want to be that one house on the street that does not have their flag out. You know.
0: But let me ask this question: What's the perception if I came into a minority neighborhood of me? Like, what's the perception of me going into a minority neighborhood?
1: I think that uh, well, it depends. It depends on a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it depends on the the socioeconomic stratum of that neighborhood. Whether or not you would be fully embraced, or kind of moderately embraced,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I don't think that you would be virulently thrown away. Not to say that in all cases where a person of color moving into a uh, majority neighborhood would be, you know, disregarded, but I, I don't think that it's an, e- an equal and opposite. Um, proposition. I, I think that there's more more disdain one way than the other, not to make it about the level of disdain, but I think mm-hmm. to completely answer your question, um, I don't think that you would you would feel as much pushback um, that a person of color would feel moving into um, a neighborhood other than than a, a black neighborhood.
2: I think you would be tolerated, but at the end of the day nobody was nobody would push you around because they know you actually have more power than them even though it was their neighborhood to begin with
1: You know what and in some kind of I don't know odd slash cool way uh, there there's really an opportunity for you to make inroads with people in that community if they thought that you were like totally into understanding them, mm-hmm. they would welcome you.
3: I think that's more like – I think it's less about housing and more of just sort of like the relational aspect like between races and white person coming in. I mean, I feel like there's like tons of movies about what happens if – I feel like there's like a teacher that's white and like a black school or something like that. You know, I just feel like that's – and that's kind of how it plays out you know like not of distrust but then you know they connect and, uh, i mean i don't know that um there's something specifically connected to housing with that like buying a house
0: my head is replaying out like scenes from dangerous minds right now because you just said that <laughs> michelle pfeiffer what um i do have another question that's in the same vein of my first question, but then is there a stigma or um, uh, imposed belief on if I were to not buy a home in a minority neighborhood? Am I perpetuating the racial divide by buying a house in, say, Rehoboth? Because I... I actually enjoy seeing the stars in the sky at night, or I like the ability to have a bonfire if I want to. So I'm I'm more prone to looking at a house in Rehoboth instead of in, say, a minority neighborhood. Is there like, am I perpetuating a stigma?
3: I mean, I would say no. I mean, I think everyone, obviously, I don't I don't think people have to like buy a house. In a specific area, in order to stop this stigma. It's not what I believe. I just personally think that the solution is great investment and support of your neighbors. And, um, you know, like Jesus says, love your neighbors. Then he says, well, who's my neighbor? So it's this guy right next to me. And he says, no, it's someone from a different country. Um, and I think that that's kind of the – I think that's where the heart is. You know, even if it's not – even if your support isn't necessarily – I think it could be for your neighbor. Maybe they're a different race and maybe you can help them in some way. Not to say that that's the way you should come about it, but maybe you just want to be a support. You know, I'm here for you, blah, blah, blah. You need anything. Let's connect. Vice versa.
1: Now, I like where J.L. is going with that. And it's, it's not about uh, forced housing integration. It, it's about relationships. And so, you want to live in Rehoboth? Live in Rehoboth. Uh, but just don't interact with people that live in Rehoboth. Interact with other people. Uh, mm-hmm. Live with other people. Share relationships with other people. And then eventually you uh, Rehoboth and the place of target that you're, you know, let, let's just say you're talking Rehoboth and, you talk, and you're talking, I don't know it's Brockton, right? So eventually if there's enough cross-relationship between Brockton and Rehoboth then that entire demographic will be cross-pollinated. And <laughs> it will get the best of both communities. And uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, that's a much more rich, vibrant expression of God's love when we are, we're all living in, and in relationship with one another in, in proximity. So you like Ooh. Rehoboth? Live in Rehoboth. But uh, live wherever you are uh, and share God's, God's love and his truth with people of the similar backgrounds and i think we'll eventually get there we we won't get there um in 10 years but eventually we will i
3: don't know i remember when um i was living in a nice suburban neighborhood but my mom was a single mother uh four kids at the time and um we were renting the house um but we're supposed to we Struggled with like mowing the lawn sometimes because it was fall on me and i think i was like 12 at the time so i was very inconsistent and i wasn't very good at it whatever and um i remember the neighbor he would mow lawns for us sometimes you know like i was just like you know i was worried about school and stuff and you know obviously i'm not taking care of a house you know what i mean but um I remember he would mow lawns every once in a while for us, you know, really nice, good natured guy. You know, I never really sat and had a conversation with him We wouldn't talk, I would see him outside and wave. But I mean, I think that's kind of the heart. It's like, all right, like I'll do it for this, these people over here because, you know, like they're my neighbors. You know I don't. I yeah, and I mean, I think it's a really beautiful thing. He's always a good natured guy. I mean, it could have been maybe he was grumpy, and he was mad. Blah, 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 they're not doing it, but he. I'm assuming that his mindset was, I'm out here mowing anyways. I'm just gonna cross this territory line, whatever the, and I'm just gonna mow the lawn for them and and take care of this or that, you know. And uh, I think that's the heart that I'm talking about.
1: Housing is a thing, but it doesn't have to be a thing. It's an extension of the real thing that the relationship is broken at a human level. Love can't be shared. Uh We are not close enough with one another. And so living close has been an issue. And so how do we get there? Let's have more conversations. Thanks for joining us. Turning up the volume on racial equality with the EQ and the fellowship family are always welcome to stop by and have a conversation at the table and we will be here next time. Join us again. Be safe. Love everyone. Thank you for joining